Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Many California children ages 5 to 11 have started getting the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Some counties started offering it soon after the vaccine got the green light from the Western State Scientific Safety Review Workgroup yesterday. In Los Angeles alone, more than 900,000 school-aged children are now eligible for the shot. From L.A., KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. Children as young as five can now get vaccinated against the coronavirus. Local health officials say shots will start going into little arms this week. Almost 150,000 doses have been disseminated across vaccine sites in the county, with more on the way. Like the adult version, the pediatric Pfizer vaccine is given in two shots, three weeks apart. It's also smaller, containing one-third of the adult dose. FDA officials say there were virtually no severe adverse effects related to the vaccine in clinical trials and that it's a whopping 90 percent effective at preventing COVID infection. Across the U.S., more than 8,000 kids between 5 and 11 have been hospitalized with COVID-19 and nearly 100 have died, making COVID a leading cause of death among young children. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti has tested positive for COVID-19 while in Scotland for the United Nations Climate Change Conference. Speaking to KABC-TV in L.A. yesterday, Mayor Garcetti says he's isolating in his hotel room and is feeling good. I've been taking daily antigen tests. In fact, took two today that came back negative. But when a PCR test, which is more sensitive and can sometimes tell you if you are going to be getting sick, probably not infectious, Uh, It will trigger a positive sometimes, and the protocol is to immediately isolate, and if it's confirmed that it's positive, to isolate for 10 days. Mayor Garcetti had been planning to fly back to Los Angeles today, but that will be delayed. He's attending the conference with about seven staff members who have all tested negative for COVID-19. And according to the White House, Mayor Garcetti did not have any interactions with President Biden, who also was in attendance. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. California Attorney General Rob Bonta says his office will take a larger role in enforcing California's housing laws. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more. A law signed by Governor Gavin Newsom earlier this year gives the attorney general new power to sue local governments that aren't following state laws to plan for and approve more housing units. And with that new authority, Bonta is launching a 12-member strike force to step up enforcement. This is... I believe something unique in in the history of the California Department of Justice to have uh, the priority and emphasis and focus on uh, housing uh, law enforcement that we have uh, as we are showing today through our strike force. Groups representing California cities and counties have said the attorney general now has too much enforcement authority over housing decisions. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarotti. And more fallout from the port backlog in Southern California. At a state assembly hearing yesterday, port officials said because of severe gridlock at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, some shipping companies and carriers are now ditching Southern California and heading to other states to unload their cargo. Many states that continue to compete for cargo traditionally has come to California ports along with the jobs and economic vitality that comes with them. That's Danny Wong, the president of the California Association of Port Authorities. He says the goal is to keep cargo coming to California, but if we want to stop some of it from being diverted, the state government will have to make more long-term investments in infrastructure, marketing, and coordination with the federal government. There's a nearly 11 to 1 imbalance between what's the investment that's made in California and in uh, other uh, states. That imbalance has to be corrected. Part of the issue is that we need to have a state-level coordination uh, for freight policy that views investment in ports. And as of this Monday, there were nearly 160 ships off the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. As the UN Climate Summit continues in Glasgow, Scotland, a majority of Californians are making it clear they support California's climate change mitigation goals. And they see the damage caused by global warming. That's according to new findings from the Public Policy Institute of California. KCRW's Danielle Chiriguayo has more. A majority of adults surveyed support California leading the way on climate change policy worldwide. That includes respondents across political parties and regions up and down the state. 43% said it's very important, while another 28% called it somewhat important. And Los Angeles stood out. 54% of Angelinos said climate change was very important. All told, two out of three likely voters believe it's critical for state government to build their own climate-related policies, separate from federal government rules, which tend to be weaker. Californians also overwhelmingly support Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to conserve at least 30% of both its lands and coastal waters by the year 2030. But there is disagreement over Newsom's executive order that bans the sale of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. 
Californians are evenly divided over the future mandate. And if you look at just Republicans, they reject it by 85 percent. Other findings from the July poll state that Californians view the water supply and droughts as the state's biggest environmental issues. While more than 60 percent say they're very concerned about climate change worsening the severity of natural disasters. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Chiriguayo in Los Angeles. And in related news, levels of carbon emissions have almost returned to where they were before the pandemic started. That according to Stanford Research. KQED climate reporter Laura Clivens has more on what this means. Greenhouse gas emissions are surging as power plants and industry have returned to burning coal and natural gas. One surprising finding is that emissions came roaring back, not trickling as they did after the 2008 recession, says Stanford professor Rob Jackson. He heads the Global Carbon Project. Well, it's troubling because every year we keep emitting 35 or 40 billion tons of greenhouse gas pollution. brings us closer to 1.5 and 2 degrees C that brings more and stronger droughts hurricanes, fires, weather events. Jackson says fossil fuels must be replaced with carbon-free alternatives, and much of the pandemic recovery money has not done that. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. This week, we've brought you interviews about that big UN climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland, and California's role in it. But we wanted to bring the topic home, make it more tangible, and take you somewhere that's directly threatened by our planet's changing climate and things like sea level rise. So, very early one recent morning, I caught a train. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. This is your cafe car attendant. The cafe is located... So I've come aboard Amtrak's Pacific Surfliner, which connects downtown Los Angeles and downtown San Diego. It's about a three-hour trip, and it can be incredibly scenic, particularly as the train runs along the coastline. It's also a great way to see how climate change threatens the coast and all the things that human beings have built along the coastline over the past several decades. That built environment threatened by rising seas includes oceanfront homes, roads, piers, power plants, and this very train I'm riding on. In September, both Amtrak and a commuter rail line had to suspend service on part of this route for a couple of weeks. Emergency repairs were needed because beach erosion, partly attributed to climate change, threatened the tracks. You know, the coastline is a super dynamic place naturally. That's Rick Bell, a professor of geological sciences at Cal State Long Beach. He says even in normal times, California's coast can be a tricky place to build things and keep them safe. The coastline itself is actually a very mobile, dynamic feature. It's, you know, it's where everything comes together, the, the ocean, the atmosphere, the land, the rivers. It's constantly changing. And climate change, says Bell, really supercharges those changes, making storms stronger, tides higher, and coastal erosion of beaches and cliffs worse. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, we're now arriving at San Juan Capistrano Station, San Juan Capistrano. And you can really see how rising seas and eroding coasts could threaten this train route and everything around it as we travel through South Orange County and into North San Diego County. The train track comes really close to the Pacific Ocean here. You feel like you can almost touch the water. It's a spectacular view, but it also shows how vulnerable this train and nearby homes and infrastructure are to climate change.
Now, get off the train and walk the beaches in a town like San Clemente or Oceanside, and you can see how people have responded so far to the threat. Sea walls have been built in front of many homes, and giant boulders have been placed between the ocean and the train tracks in a lot of places. But in the long term, geologist Rick Bell says such coastal armoring actually makes erosion worse by starving the beach of new sources of sand. It increases the energy on the beach, causes more erosion, drops the sand, and so there really is no beach left. Looking ahead, Bell says Californians will likely face the daunting and expensive challenge of moving some homes and critical infrastructure, including parts of this train route away from the coast. That's called planned retreat. Bell also says we have to stop thinking about sea level rise as something that's happening so slowly, we just don't have to worry about it yet. He says big changes to our coast could come dramatically fast. Beach erosion, cliff retreat is not a gradual process. It's episodic. So that when someone says, oh, that's long in the future, far in the future, it may be or it may not be. And when it happens, it's going to be some catastrophic events, some big events that will cause a lot of damage all at once. As I watch the California coastline pass by from the comfort of my train seat, remembering Bell's comments made the million dollar views of the water on a gorgeous morning a lot more unsettling. And that is the California Report for Thursday, November 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. And for those who observe it, happy Diwali. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. SF MoMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Dirfetah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. 
This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Happy reading!